Crest is proud to have De La Salle North Catholic High School as our community partner for this season of the podcast. De La Salle is the most diverse private school in Oregon, offering a college preparatory education exclusively to low-income students, turning no one away because of their inability to pay. Known as a school that works, De La Salle's corporate work-study program has every student work one day a week at Portland-area companies, offsetting 50% of their tuition. The innovative curriculum provides the students with real-world experience, self-confidence, and ownership of their education. When we build stronger, thriving communities, we all benefit. Learn more on how your company can get involved by visiting DeLaSalleNorth.org. The pandemic gave us a good learning opportunity, each of us who were accustomed to going into an office, to help us really understand what it was like for the team members who were distributed prior to that. Because all of a sudden we all were. And now it meant that we could understand a little bit more of what that Zoom experience was for those employees and how it might feel for them versus, you know, four of us sitting in a conference room and one person on the screen. Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, Principal for the Portland Office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. Subscribe at Cressa.com slash Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to have an avid reader I just learned about, (laughs) uh, Katie Abbott, who is general counsel of Puppet here with me today. Katie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So, Katie, we just walked around a little bit uh, and I don't think we mentioned it, but I saw the the library that you guys have here. I'm I'm learning that you're an avid reader um, and I want to get into sort of all of that. But for those that may not know about you or may not know about Puppet, walk us through who you are, how you came to be general counsel here at Puppet, and we'll start the journey there. Yeah, well, I am an attorney that I started my career in New York City, actually working in finance as opposed to in tech, and had a great time there. And after about five years in New York working for a big law firm there, I decided I wanted to come back to the Northwest and really just was trying to decide between Portland or Seattle to try and find a job because I quit my job in New York without anything lined up, which felt as a lawyer, really risky. Uh (laughs) I'm very risk averse for that, but went and traveled around South America for a few months before coming to Portland. And I decided on Portland just with some family and friends who lived around here and spent a little while networking to look for a job. And that's where I ended up at a job in at a small boutique law firm that really focused on technology and working with tech clients and the various needs that tech clients had. And Puppet became one of my clients there. And so worked with Puppet as outside counsel for a few years before joining as Puppet's first and only attorney in 2014. Wow. (laughs) I'll be honest, I was terrified. Yeah. So they poached you. They did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a mutually agreeable coaching. Yeah. 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 And it was... An exciting and, like I said, terrifying time coming in. I had always worked at a law firm before where I had support and people I could just walk down the hall and say, hey, what do you think of this? Whereas here it was people coming to me saying, you're a lawyer. (laughs) This looks like legal mumbo jumbo. You handle it. And I would just have to figure it out. And I got some great advice from an attorney who, or sorry, an uncle who is an attorney. And he said, really, you know, once you go in-house, you're starting to figure out how to be the quarterback and you don't need Uh to know everything yourself. 
but you do need to know what you know, what you don't know, and where to reach out to. And once he framed it up that way to me, I felt more confident coming into Puppet and just figuring it out as we went along. And seven and a half years later, still here. Yeah. Are you from the Northwest? I grew up, yeah, in Mount Vernon, Washington, so an hour north of Seattle. Okay. And so where did your, so how did you get to the East Coast? Did you go to school at the East Coast to start out? How did you, what's that? And then you went to South America. So we'll get into that. Too. What, <laughs> what, um, what took you to the East Coast? Yeah, it was school. Okay. I did my undergraduate degree at Gonzaga University in okay. Spokane yeah. and then took about four years off between undergrad and law school, trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Yeah. And it was uh, at one point when I was working at a small independent bookstore, I bought a book on the LSAT and decided to study, took it on a whim and did well and just thought, I'll give this a try. So sent off my applications for law school. And the next day, I actually took off and spent about eight months traveling around the world uh, while waiting to hear from law schools on whether or not I was accepted. And And then once I found out I was accepted to Georgetown in Washington, D.C., that's where I decided I really wanted to go. So that's what brought me to the East Coast. So so you just got a book on the LSAT. You just decided, I'll just take the LSAT, did well, and then you wind up at Georgetown. Yes. Wow. Wow. It's all those reading when you were were looking at working at the bookstore. Yeah, probably helped. So you traveled the world for for eight months. Yes. On backpack, like what, what, what and why? I was so lucky when I graduated from high school. My parents had time. My dad had a sabbatical and my mom uh, was a teacher. And so she had the summers off. And so when I was 17 and my siblings were 15 and 13, my parents had six weeks where they took us to Europe and we backpacked around as a family. And that was the first time any of us had been to Europe. You know, we'd been to Canada growing up so close to the border, but that was the first, you know, lengthy trip abroad. And we just got ignited with this love of travel. And so then when I studied at Gonzaga, again, very lucky that they had a program where you could do a year abroad, your junior year in Florence, Italy, and was able to do that. And again, it just like cemented that love of new experiences, meeting new people, getting to know the world outside of the one in which I grew up. Yeah. And so when I was looking at doing grad school, I just thought to myself, well, I am never going to have a chance to do this type of trip again. Right. Yeah. And so why not just go ahead and do it? So I scrimped and saved. And luckily, I was living at home with my parents at the time. So I was able to not have to pay rent. And then, yeah, just bought a one-way ticket down to Sydney, Australia with a stopover in New Zealand. And then from there, (laughs) just figured it out for the next seven and a half months. Wow. And then, so you, so you come back, you go to, you end up going to Georgetown. Yes. You're there for three years. Did you, I imagine you sort of interned while you were there. Um, Maybe the second 2L probably did an internship. And then what happened after you graduated? You went to New York City? Is that that's what took you up there? Okay. Yeah, I went and worked at a law firm in New York City. And uh, when you go to work for those mid or big law firms yeah. in New York, you, you generally don't get to choose what group you were put in. And but the thing is, I didn't have any preconceived notions because right. I had never worked for a law firm before because right. I did internships in different areas yeah. as opposed to at a big law firm. And so they assigned me to the structured finance group. 
it ended up being an incredible experience. Yeah, I, I didn't have a finance background, but I worked with a, a partner who was such a good mentor. And I just remember at times when the first time he sat down with me after I had marked up a credit agreement or other documents and he's like, "Okay, walk me what what you walk me through what you did." Yeah. And why? And then being able to have him coach me through, "Well, what about this? Did you notice this?" And that was just such an incredible learning experience that I realized a lot a lot of people don't get that. Right. I was terrified again. Yeah. There was yeah. that word terror when, yeah. when I sat down. I'm like, oh no, somebody's going to discover I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And of course, I Imposter didn't know everything. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. was, I, mean, I was a first year, second year lost, or sorry, associate. Yeah. And of course, I didn't know. You know right. that's, that's the point is that I was learning then. And he took the time to teach me. Yeah. So when you were there, uh, how, how long were you there? Five years. Okay. So then after five years, was it sort of like, okay, I'm sort of done. I'm, I'm going back to the Northwest. I mean, what's, yeah. what was the impetus? What catalyzed you to move back, back sort of home, if you will? Yeah, I knew I always wanted to come back to the Northwest at one point or another. But when I got the job offer in New York after I was, or as I was graduating from law school, figured I might as well give this a try yeah. because I'm very unlikely to move back to New York once I moved to the right. West Coast. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I had a great time. I was able to, you know, so many of my friends from law school moved up to New York as well. So I had this built-in social system moving to Manhattan at the uh, same time. So it's like the ideal yeah. experience for Manhattan. And yeah. that was just such an incredible experience. And it was an interesting time. I was there from 2005 to 2010. So it oh, was wow. as so the uh, financial markets were crashing. Yeah. And really, you know, when I quit my job in 2010, things were picking back up in New York, but they weren't as much outside of New York. Yeah. And so it was a little bit risky yeah. to just go ahead and quit. But it was something that I knew I wanted to come back. Yeah. And I knew I wanted to take some time off in between. And I figured I would just see what happened and just yeah. figure it out. Yeah. So I think that's a, I, I, that's a theme running through your whole life. Yeah. Figure it out. <laughs> right. I mean, so, okay. So you come back to, to, to the Northwest and you start working for, maybe you took a little bit of time off and then you started working for another law firm locally. Mm -hmm. Yes. And they focused on purely on tech representation, if you will? Yeah, it was a small law firm, uh, which the, it has since disbanded, but it was a really great place to work to get to learn. The attorneys, who the two partners there were such smart attorneys or are such smart attorneys. Yeah. And I learned a lot from them just yeah. getting into a whole new area of law that I had not experienced right. before. And it was fun. It was exciting. I remember when I got here and they said, oh, yeah, you know, we actually prefer if you wear jeans to work uh, because <laughs> it's just more human and more accessible. Yeah. And being able to take all of my suits down to dress for success oh, and yeah. say, I am not going to wear these anymore. Wow. Somebody else can use them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, imagine you're just used to that and being in New York. It's just it, when you talk about that, it just reminded me of that show called Suits. I'm yeah. not sure if you ever saw it, but man, we watched that often. It was just. New York City just has so much energy too. The, the energy does. in New York is, yeah. is just palpable. It is. Yeah. So, so you came back here, and so uh, now we think about sort of puppet. So, how did that? How did that transition happen? You were at Alto, is the name of the law firm, yes. right, for a while. So, mm -hmm. how long were you there? And then, and then they just knocked on your door and said, "Hey, do you want to come in house?" Yeah, I was there. Um, so I started in, I guess it was about 2011. And in 2013, um, Luke Canise, who was the founder of Puppet, yeah. and at that point was still the CEO of Puppet, had reached out to me, uh, just inviting me out for coffee. And so he and I met and he said, well, you know, 
my sales team really likes working with you. Have you ever thought about going in-house? And at that point, I was one, very excited and also you know, a little trepidatious at the idea because I had just, it, to me, it felt like I had not been working in tech for very long. Yeah. So we had a really good conversation and just said, you know what, right now isn't necessarily the right time for me. And Puppet was doing its search for its very first CFO at that time. Yeah. And the CFO is going to have a pretty strong opinion about who comes in-house right. to work as a lawyer. Right. So not quite the right time for Puppet then. But uh, what Luke asked me was just, you know, if you ever think of leaving your law firm, I can't promise I'll have something. Just love to have you reach out so we yeah. can talk in yeah. case there is something. Yeah. And so about a year later, I was at that point where I was feeling a little antsy and ready to do something a little bit different and was being recruited to go in-house at another company. And so I thought, well, I'll just reach out and see what happens. Yeah. And one thing led to another and started at Puppet a few months later. Wow. And you've been here for about seven and a half, almost eight, almost eight years, right? Yeah, seven and a half. It'll be eight in October this year. So I remember I moved back to Portland uh, in 2013. And at that point, like the tech scene in Portland was just, it was continuing to, to yeah. like grow. And Puppet obviously was one of those. And then you know, the relocation from a smaller space in the Pearl to where you are now in terms of, you know, headquarters space, Puppet has gone through a tremendous growth spurt in that period since you've been here. It's because yeah. of you. I, no. <laughs> clearly, I've got the magic touch. <laughs> yeah, it's been really amazing. When I first started working with Puppet as outside counsel yeah. in 2011, I think there were about 45 employees and wow. just seeing the growth and the change in the company and the yeah. trajectory has been incredible since then. You know, we're about 500-ish at this point. And Jeez. we are so much more global now. Yeah. You know, it started as very much a Portland uh, firm. And, you know, really, we maintain our headquarters here because it's very central to who we are and part of our identity. Yeah. And what's been neat is that we can be expansive with that identity yeah. and really lean into all these different places where we've hired folks both prior to the pandemic and yeah. then also during the pandemic yeah. with it being a, I would say, you know, more open and more focused on that ongoing hybrid remote that we plan on doing. And that was something that our CEO announced really early on, actually in May 2020, as we were doing different all-company meetings, and yeah. she shared with the company that, you know, we don't know when we're going to go back in the offices, but when we do, we fully intend to be permanently hybrid remote and really let it be the employee's choice where they work and when they come into the office, unless there's a specific business need that pulls them in. Yeah. So it was an employee choice, an employee yes. choice, not sort of manager choice yes. or that's interesting because there's so much conversation that we've sort of seen and had and you read out there it's just you know sort of manager approach and then but there's few i've seen that have sort of employee mm -hmm. approach and and i think that's i mean it's just it's incredible to to sort of see what that will be like you know as we get out of this i mean of course here in, in oregon we're gonna be lifting our yeah. masks you know coming up in the next week which is actually the two-year anniversary of when we had to be yeah, you know, if you is, think about that it? right yeah. it's march 12th march 13th so what have you guys, so the leadership team, so, you know, as general counsel, I'm, you're on the leadership team here at Puppet. Mm -hmm. And what is that, what are some of the things that you guys did and have done over the course of the last two years that sort of kept your teams together? We talked about communication has been such a big thing. The hybrid remote has been such a big component. I mean, it sounds like you guys have grown during that time. So what are some of the things that the leadership team did from a communication perspective to let the sort of the team know what the plan's going to be? Or are you still in the yeah. middle of that? 
You know, I think we will always be iterating on it, but we have put a lot of work into it and we're trying to be very intentional in how we approach it and how we support our managers and our teams through our continued evolution as a company. I would say that the pandemic gave us a good learning opportunity, each of us who were accustomed to going into an office. Yeah to help us really understand what it was like for the team members who were distributed prior to that. Because all of a sudden we all were. And now it meant that we could understand a little bit more of what that Zoom experience was for those employees and how it might feel for them versus, you know, four of us sitting in a conference room and one person on the screen. And so one of the things that we've done is that we have a team who is uh, that's cross-functional in nature has really worked hard on developing hybrid remote guidelines and helping uh, set out what how can managers and teams develop their team norms Mm -hmm. and then giving a lot of guidelines around, you know, if you've got a got three people in the office and two people remote and you're going to have a team meeting, maybe it's, you know, one head per screen. So we're all perhaps in different conference rooms or sitting at our desk, or if we are in the same conference room using one audio channel, but each of us are just on our laptop, as opposed to a picture with three people on it pretty far away down the conference room table, Uh, and then two people just on screen as you would normally see in Zoom. So trying to make it an equitable experience for people so that It doesn't matter if you're in the office or not, that we want the experience to be as similar and as inclusive as possible for everyone. What's been the feedback thus far? So far, so good. I think probably the one of the most popular changes we've made is really shifting some of the perks away from being office focused and Uh being more entire team focused. And I have to give our workplace team a huge shout out for finding this and really implementing it is rather than having just budget go towards snacks in the office, what we do is we now have a a, a quarterly uh, budget for each person to order some snacks from an online company where you can just go on and pick anything. And it's the same company that we use worldwide. And so everybody, it's all catered to local, uh, what's available locally. And it has been so positively received, including by myself. Yeah. I'm so excited yeah. <laughs> when I get to pick out some of those snacks. Yeah, that's a good, I mean, it, that, that's a, a, that pivot I think has been, has been big too. Like what do you, from an equity and inclusion perspective, what do you uh, provide people at their home office or at the third place, right? And then yeah. what does that sort of look and feel like? And to be able to then do that across the globe, across the entire sort of employee footprint. I, I mean, yeah. kudos to you guys for, for working through that. And logistically, it's challenging too. Yeah, there are some logistics and it's amazing the companies that have popped up during the pandemic that can yes. help with that yeah. too. Yeah. I think uh, just to give another shout out to our people team and the work that they've done around that inclusive and equitable experiences. Yeah. You know, a lot of the places where we have offices have gyms in the building yeah. and you know, that's always been a nice thing for those who really like to have access to that. What they've shifted to is really saying, okay, everybody gets a monthly stipend for a certain amount and you can use it towards wellness. And what does wellness mean to you? It could mean buying, you know, a business book, you know, a novel. It could mean going towards a gym membership. It could mean going towards a Peloton monthly membership. And so you can use it towards any of those things. And so that's also been a really well-received 
benefit that we've managed to extend beyond just those who are physically near an office. Yeah. And I think going towards, like you said, going towards the employee themselves. Yes. Right. And that's sort of the way that you guys sort of made the uh, the decision the decision from a hybrid piece like that that gives it sort of that control yeah. to the employee which i think is you know they probably own that you know yeah it's why should i define what wellness mean, means right. to you right it's something that only you can define yeah. what actually means to you yeah so what are a few things that you uh katie have learned in the last two years as a leader i mean there's been so many things that have gone up and down and sideways yeah. um, what's sort of been some of the things that have kept you with your north star and with some of the things that that you've learned as a person and as a leader You know, one of the things I realized is I'm such I'm borderline introvert, extrovert. And on the one hand, during the pandemic and working from home really fed my inner introvert, (laughs) my extrovert really missed connection. And one of the things that, for example, on the legal team, my team asked me to consider was instead of doing a weekly or biweekly team meeting, doing shorter but more frequent touch points. And so we've got a 15 minute stand up three times a week. And that, I think, for me at least, has been really beneficial because it means that we've got a lot of continuous contact with each other. Right. And sometimes we don't talk about work at all. Yeah. Or sometimes, oftentimes, it's talk about everything else. And then when you're five minutes over, then it's like, oh, does anybody have a work (laughs) thing we need to address? (laughs) Yeah. But that's been so good for us as a team to create that sense of cohesion even when we haven't had a chance to get everybody together. Yeah. And it's meant that we had a new attorney who joined in the summertime. And, you know, as we all know, joining a new team, you know, I always feel a little bit trepidatious about, am I going to fit in? What's this going to be like? And especially since the others of us on the legal team have been here at that point for about four years or longer. Yeah. And I think that some of those team norms that we have around building those continuous connections gave her that opportunity to really observe us, get to know us through that and, you know, just see how both normal and crazy we are (laughs) and then be able to just slip right in. And now it feels like she's always been a part of a team. Yeah. How many people are on are on the legal team? Right now, there are four of us. Four. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you've got, and then the the executive leadership team, what do you guys, do you guys meet weekly? I mean, do you guys have we calls meet, weekly? Ev- What's Yeah. Every other week we'll yeah. have a staff meeting, but yeah. there are so many touch points between all of us as yeah. we are working on different things together yeah. or, you know, different subsections doing some work together or all the one-on-ones. And yeah. so that's been a really nice thing. I think one of the great shifts that a lot of my colleagues on the executive team have made and that we've often shifted away from doing when we were doing one-on-ones from doing zoom meetings and instead we'll each just hop on our phone and go for a walk in our neighborhoods while we're talking and i think that's been a very healthy shift for all of us we're just like getting out and moving a little bit and it also takes you away from the distraction of slack popping up or email or other things squirrel 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 it's just constant yeah. No, it's literally a squirrel. Yeah, like, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is way better than a tech squirrel. <laughs> wow. So what's the, so you guys, the, the plan sort of the workplace plan in the future or what the plan would be is sort of hybrid remote employees make their own decisions whether they want to come in or not come in. They can sort of reserve anything. Mm-hmm. Is, is that, that's across the global footprint for you guys? Yes, it that, is. Yeah. yeah. And we have offices in Belfast, London, Singapore, and Sydney as well. And, uh, you know, just depending on what's been going on locally with the pandemic and regulations, they've all, 
each of the offices has opened up at a different point uh, throughout the last year. And right now, all of our offices are open. Yeah. And you know, just working to comply with local regulations. We're yeah. very excited here in Portland yeah. to have the mask oh mandate lifted yeah. And, yeah. and hoping that we'll get some more folks in once that is not a consideration for people. Right. Uh, but it has been really neat to see the teams respond differently and yeah. just how it really is driving employees to do their best work where it works best for them. Yeah. Because I, for some, you know, there are times when I so appreciate having a day at home where yeah. I can oh my just gosh, yeah. be heads down and right. really focused. Yeah. And then there are those times I've started coming in. I mentioned to you earlier, one day a week and being able to do a few meetings in person with somebody else who's in town yeah. or just walk into the kitchen area and run into somebody else. Right. I have missed that so much. Yeah. And so it's been really nice to experience that. Yeah. So just think about what your footprint. So uh, when you were traveling the globe for eight months, you were scouting out places where public was going to open up offices. That was smart. I think it was very forward thinking. Yeah. of you. I am really pushing for Italy. Yeah, it's not yet on our yeah. roadmap, though. Well, manifest it. OK, it'll 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 happen. That's right. Visualize. Yeah, visualize. <laughs> so if you had a chance to, to share, this is going to be an interesting question for you because of all the books you've read. Oh, boy. Um, if you had a chance to, to share coffee or cocktail with anybody in history, uh, or present or whatever. Who 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 might that be and why? You know, it's a really funny thing you're asking this question because this was part of our leadership team offsite around Christmas where we were just doing some social things together. Nice. And, okay. and my answer, I got a cue. They they told yeah. me to ask questions. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, my answer remains consistent. Queen Latifah. And I would have never <laughs> ever guessed that. I which <laughs> I know it, it may seem a little off the wall <laughs> oh, since we man. were just talking about books. Yeah, no, this is great. I don't know a whole about a whole lot about her personally or her personal life. I haven't read a lot about her. What I admire about her is just that the openness she has had to doing so many different things in her career oh. and, you know, going from music to acting and so many different kinds of music and yeah. acting in very different things, you know, TV, movies. And the roles that she's played have always been really interesting to me. And I just think she would be fascinating <laughs> to have a cocktail with and get to know. So I think she'd be fun too. Right? I think so like too. That that's, would be an enjoyable That's why I would do a cocktail, experience. not coffee. <laughs> yeah. I would have never guessed that. That that's that that's a great answer. Well, thank really, you. really, really great answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for those that that might want to learn more about you mm -hmm. uh, and what's you know, what's who you are and what's next for you or in puppet. Where, where do they go? Where can they find you? Oh, gosh. I, I am very much not active on social media. <laughs> so it's just finding me. Uh, yeah, I guess through LinkedIn, I'm active yeah. there and yeah. you know, finding me here at Puppet. And it's been fun. I really have enjoyed networking. And what I found is a lot of current or former colleagues who have family members or friends who are considering going to law school and reaching out and like, hey, so-and-so is thinking about doing law school or is just about to graduate and just yeah. wants to talk about what the different options are out there. I love those kinds of conversations because I think similar to what Queen Latifah has done with her career, what I have found is the times that I end up doing some of the most exciting stuff is when I haven't planned it. Yeah. And I just leave myself open to it. Right. Yeah. 
So I'm going to be sending you emails too about book recommendations because that you, you give those too. Absolutely. I so, love to read. It's, it's a true addiction. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and one last question, I think too, my brother's an attorney and I, I've heard you either have to love it or, or hate it, I guess. You clearly love it. I do. I love Or maybe the, the, well, yeah, maybe yeah. you love it, but maybe there's the, the things that it allows you to sort of do, I guess. With I, that. I think so. I think what I've appreciated about going to law school and practicing as an attorney is what it's allowed me to explore in my life. Yeah. And if you had asked me back when I was an undergraduate majoring in religious studies, I was <laughs> never going to pick working at a tech company. I, yeah. I wouldn't have even thought that was an option. Yeah. And yet it's been an incredible journey for me. Yeah. And one of the things I really love about being in-house and especially with the people I work with here is that they understand and appreciate that I am a business person who happens to know the law yeah. as opposed to a lawyer who happens to work in business. Uh, yeah. That's a really great distinction. Yeah. yeah it, and really I think it's a very important one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Katie, thanks so much for spending your morning with us, you know, walking around, showing us the great space for De La Salle North <laughs> Catholic also that you guys donated and just... I, I learned a lot. I learned that you traveled for eight months. The Queen Latifah thing is probably the most interesting <laughs> thing that I've learned in this conversation. Um, but just thanks so much for the time. I just really appreciate you, you saying yes and joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.